0: praise it hey.
1: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 We're ready to have church. We're ready to have church this morning. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. We're right in the presence. Exaltation Choir is taking us in the presence, backed up by Altered uh, Youth Drama Team. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. Have them today. Well, it's, it's awesome to see you out there. Good to see you today. Well, I want to make a couple of quick announcements and. I'm not going to bore you at all, because we're excited to be here in God's presence and we want to get out and shake hands. We want you to know that this next coming Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we start our statewide Church of God camp meeting in Columbus, Ohio, and it's going to be a wonderful time of of service and fellowship and getting together at the Potter's House up in Columbus, and this choir and, and even this drama team and our pastor are going to be a part of the service there that uh, Sunday night next Sunday night at 6 o'clock and you're invited to be a part of that as well each night at 7 o'clock we will be having services Monday Tuesday and Wednesday of course you can come up and be a part of that And, and with that our schedule will be different here at our church next week because of that also we're having VBS that starts next Monday and if you want more information about that you can check in the lobby check with Carolyn and she will help you out with VBS and tonight tonight is a young adult mixed service The young adults will be meeting at five o'clock for the fellowship and then everybody's invited out to the service at six o'clock and we're going to be talking about true colors your true colors with that being said we are going to get out and welcome each other into the house of God find somebody new and if you are new to our church if you would just remain seating, seated, seated we got some people that are going to come and say hi to you give you some information but everybody else if you would get out shake hands hug next welcome each other to God's house
0: Said he said, believe on me believe on me believe on me believe on me the scriptures said, scripture said it the word of God said it the scripture said it Jesus said it now Jesus said it Jesus said it Jesus said it, Jesus said it. He said, I Top of my head, the snow of my feet, down the spirit room, all of it. You should have been.
2: come on and give the Lord great praise this morning. Let's praise him again. Shout to the Lord with that voice of triumph today. He is your savior. He has set you free. Hallelujah. Before you're seated this morning and we go, whoa, what a way to start the service, huh? Feels good in here. How many of you know it feels red hot good in here? Amen. Well, I want you to we're going to begin right here, right now to, to just have a word of prayer. I'm going to ask you as your pastor to pray. I, I was involved in a little bit of an accident over the weekend, I, not a car accident. I was in my backyard and there was about five foot high brush and I got one of them high powered weed eaters that run on gasoline and I was going to conquer the woods and the woods smack back. <laughs> I've ended up tearing a muscle in my back and uh, it's swollen on the right side and that's kind of why i wobbled in here i'm not really 98 years old <laughs> i might look like it today but but you know what i believe in and the first thing i wanted to do was ask you to pray for me we pray for one another amen so would you just stretch your hands toward this altar and would you just join me in prayer right now father i just give this to you I know that you are able to heal, you're able, Lord, to do miracles, and we just give this to you. I don't understand you know, what I'm going through right now, but I know that you do, and Lord, I trust you completely. Lord, I know I need to learn some things, and I know that sometimes you stop us in order to teach us some things. So Lord, I, I pray in the name of Jesus, according to your word of God, Lord, I stand on my healing, and I thank you for a church that I can ask to join me in that prayer that I can believe, Lord, just like anyone else, for a touch on my own body. In the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this today, Lord. I will walk on. It won't stop me. I'll walk on in faith today, God, because I trust in you. And Lord, I pray over every other person in this house. I pray over those who who need a healing touch as well, right here, right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, from the front to the back, left to the right, would you touch every man, woman, boy, and girl? Touch them with your Holy Spirit and let them sense and feel that healing touch of the Savior. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. This morning, we're going to dedicate babies in just a few moments, but before we do that, speaking of babies i want to we want to honor and i want to uh, recognize a a wonderful godly lady that we all love around here her name is valerie Luby. valerie would you step up here next to me and i'm sorry i'm not on stage those steps just look like horror to me (laughs) this morning but valerie has served us she came to be our nursery director in 2001 and today i have the very sad news to tell you that she uh, it is not sad about what god does but it is sad in our hearts that she's going to be stepping down as nursery director for our church and after 14 years i think she deserves a huge big thank you for all that she has done fantastic job when she first talked with me i did everything i could cartwheels juggled i did everything i could to try to get her to change her mind but you know she feels at this time in her life that this is what god wants and needs her to do so we're going to honor her and we're going to respect that but we want to say thank you valerie we love you you have done a fantastic job what you have done is you have loved every baby that's come in this church you've protected them taught them, you've changed them, and you've played with them, and you've loved them. And for that, we are very grateful. We know that that's a calling upon your life and that God has given you that ability. We thank you for 14 years of service here at our church. We want to give you, we have a card and gift here, and then we have, we kind of played a little joke on you, not a joke, but we, we, uh, we got some parents and some folks that that just got cards of appreciation. We just wanted to honor you today. And I got you some orange roses because I know you love orange. We love you very much. With tears rolling down her face, she doesn't have anything she'll say today, but I want you to say thank you. And I want you to say it in as many ways as you possibly can. And in, and in truth, true fashion, this is Valerie, she's going to, she says, I don't want it to interfere with what I do in the kids, with the kids today. So she's headed right back to her post today to finish today. So we want to thank her for that. And and I want you to continue to pray for her. and, And we love her. Amen. Very much. And now we're going to dedicate little babies. If you've brought your children here today to be dedicated, would you make your way now into the altar? and all the families that are here with them. Would you come and stand with them? This morning, we have the privilege of the dedication, the privilege to dedicate these beautiful brand new little babies to the Lord. Parents understand the sacredness of this moment. And as they come and, and they're prepared to receive a challenge from their church and to pray blessing over their children, we're reminded of Mark chapter 10 verses 13 through 16 It says and they brought young children to him to Jesus that he should touch them and his disciples rebuked those that brought them but when Jesus saw it he was much displeased and said unto them suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of heaven Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them and blessed them. We recognize that children are a gift from the Lord. God in his great love gives children to parents. We're told in 1 Samuel chapter one that Hannah presented her son to Samuel. We read in Luke chapter two and verse 22 that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to present him to the Lord in the same way. These parents are here to do that this morning, which is biblical and which is correct. And to receive a challenge for the Bible also says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's older, he will not depart from it. The Bible instructs us to bring our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So I challenge you parents, grandparents, friends, family, I challenge you to be a part of helping these children to grow up to know truth, to know the doctrines of faith, and to stand as a child of God admonished to serve Him with all of their hearts. Amen? Amen. We have Jordan Blake Chapman. Turn him around and show him off. You know, it used to be that you didn't see him until we presented him, but these days with Facebook, all of y'all said, I already liked his picture. Beautiful child, let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning, we pray over this precious little boy. We pray over Jordan, Lord, that you're, your presence your power your might would bless and touch his life lord we pray over him and dedicate him to you pray in the name of jesus you keep him from all harm let your presence guide and touch him and let him know you lord at a very young age we pray in the name of jesus protection over him from all evil that lord you would order his steps guide and direct him all of his life and use these family members friends use his church father to pour into him the knowledge of truth that he'll follow all the days of his life as we give him back to his parents. Lord, I pray over them. I pray in the name of Jesus as they receive the challenge to, to instruct this young man and to raise him up in the godly nurture of the Lord. I pray that your power and might will be with them, to anoint them for the task. You said, he who lacks wisdom, Lord, let them ask, and you would give it to them. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for this, and we give you honor and praise, and for every family, member and friend all of these lord that are here with them today anoint them for the task that lies in front of them in jesus name amen this is Madely gay birchwell isn't she pretty Father, as we come before little, before Your presence today, holding little Madely in this altar, we present her to You. We ask in the name of Jesus that You would keep Your hand upon her all the days of her life. Touch her by Your power and let her know Your presence. May she know You from a very young child that You are the Lord, the only Son of God. May she receive You into her heart and life. Lord, at the appropriate time. And I pray your protection over her, order her steps. Lord, be with her, favor her, bless her, strengthen her, and protect her, Father. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus, she'll know your angels around about her all the days of her living. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and as we give her back now to her parents, Lord, we pray over them. We pray the anointing of the Spirit of God, that you would touch them as they receive the challenge to raise little Madely in the presence of God. I pray, God, that you'll give them wisdom, that you'll guide them, direct them all their lives to understand and know the privilege, the value, and the gift that this precious little girl is to their lives and this family. We pray over these that are here with them today. Touch them and anoint them. Be with them as they will have impact and they will have influence. Anoint them by your Holy Spirit and let your work be accomplished to raise her up to be a godly woman. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray amen amen god bless you guys
0: say Richard talked about the camp meeting uh, next week if you don't go to camp meeting if you've never been it's a great opportunity to go on Sunday night that service Sunday night will start at 630 they've moved that one ahead we're taking everybody everybody we can get on the bus is going we're taking our youth drama team lords really I think spoke to me about that service and how to to worship him that service, so you'll want to be there. God is a great God, and I don't know anybody who likes to worship Him more than Stratford Heights Church of God. We'll be singing this song at evening. of my shame and regret, (laughs) but then it changed, (laughs) but when I hear you whisper, child, lift up your head, I remember, oh God, you're done with me, yeah. Every stain
3: we've been redeemed praise the Lord before you're seated we're going to ask you to remain standing and let's pray for the land of Israel today they're always on our hearts and we want to remember to do that God spoke to Abraham and told him to arise and walk in the land through its length and its width and I will give this land to you that's what he promised him and those promises have been in place all these years how many of you know that God never changes his mind about his word? He believes and he tells us what he expects. And so he has promised that to them. And as one brother stood and cried at our bus when we were there in, what, in the 70s at Israel. And stood at the bus when we were getting ready to leave. And he wanted us to sing a song for him before we, our bus group left. And we sang, God be with you till we meet again. And I thought about while the group here was singing, I am redeemed. We know we've been redeemed. But a lot of those people don't have any idea what redemption is because they've never accepted Jesus. But he cried while we sang, God be with you till we meet again. And I said to him, Yossi, don't you know that God loves you and he's got this land, he's given you this land? He said, Yes, I know that, but he said, We have to fight for it every day of our lives. They have that weight on them of having to fight for where they live and they can't be at peace like we can. But let's just today lift our hearts and our hands and pray for the nation of Israel. Can we do that right now before you're seated? Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we have been redeemed. Lord, this beautiful song where we rejoice and we thank you for that promise and for the hope that you give us and the redemption that's ours. We thank you for that, Lord. But we know that the people in Israel live every day surrounded by their enemies. And, oh, God, we just ask for their hearts to be turned toward you in revival, that you would continue to move in their land, protect them, Lord Jesus, and watch over them. May your power and presence go before them every day of their life and put angels in places, Lord, to take care of them. They trust and they know that you're their God and that you've given them the land, but they have to fight. And Lord, we just pray for them and their safety. In Jesus' name today, we just commit that to you and we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you clap your hands as you're seated and let's praise the Lord. Thank you. We're going to receive our offering, our tithes and offerings at this time You know, um, Paul said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And the gift he was talking about was the Son of God. Jesus was given for us. And Jesus gave everything that he had for our redemption today. That beautiful song that was sung. So we want to give in the offering today. You know, there's many things that the church has need of. Your tithes go to help support and keep the church going and your offerings today our offering goes to our missionaries they're all over the world and we, we support so many missionaries if you give to the building fund you can always put that in on Sunday morning or any time for the week there are several of you that give to the building fund and we know that's important because things are going to happen before long and so we're looking forward to that whatever you want your gifts to go to if you have a special burden write that on the tie slip and God will see that your needs are supplied as well as our church. So let's pray at this time for our offering. Thank you, dear God, that you love us and that you gave your only son for us. Thank you for that wonderful plan of redemption that we've been singing about, Lord. That we're cleansed and we're redeemed by your blood. We're honoring you this morning, Lord, with our tithes and offerings and our giving to the church. Lord, supply every need that we have. You alone know what the need is of our church and we just pray that you would continue to bless your people here lord bless them on their jobs and see that they get raises and increase those that are looking for jobs lord we pray that you'd help them as they go and give them favor with places where there can be a good job supply the needs of your people today lord every good and every perfect gift comes from you and we thank you for that today And we thank you for the blessings that you give us now as your children. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you as you worship.
4: Right, standing in your feet before we get started I want us to give God glory in this house I don't know about you I don't know if he's done anything for you I don't know where you've been I know where I've been and I know what God's done for me And my mother-in-law once said Ray and Angie's mom she said sometimes when your present circumstances are so messed up you got to go find out what God did for you in your past and you bring that as a candle of remembrance to illuminate your future do you understand what I'm saying so when we sing a song like this take me back I know we're going to forget those things which are behind and we're going to press towards the mark of the, the high calling of Christ Jesus, but there are times where we cannot forget what God has done for us. So with corporate praise in this house, I want us to give him the best hand clap you can give him for who he is god you're worthy in this house jesus we lift you up we magnify your name we recognize you're the king of kings the lord of lords the prince of princes and we know you're coming again and you're coming for those that are looking for you and longing for you and and wanting you and desiring you god i pray over this house right now lord i pray let us give you the glory and the praise that you are due hallelujah hallelujah I didn't plan on doing that. But I tell you what, when God is in the house, Pastor Ray, I don't know how you stand this. I really don't. I mean, it causes you to get excited. I want us to get into to the lesson or the, our sermon this, this morning. If you got your Bibles, I'll try to be pay attention to the clock and be a, a time aware of the time. But in Genesis 47 is where we're going to read. We're going to start in verse 13. And we're going to read down through 26. The title of today's sermon, and I think a lot of us in this house already know from, from the excitement that I feel. I feel like I'm, I'm at a Buckeyes game or something. There's excitement in the house. It's like we're right off a of Pentecost Sunday and people are excited, and I like that. I've titled this, Who Holds Your Future? Who holds your future? Now, in this house, it would be easy for us to just go ahead and just just say it Jesus Jesus holds my future God has everything in control but you know what we're an element in that we play a part in that the way we live our life and the things that we do and the way we treat others have everything to do with who holds our future and that's what we want to look at as we look at this scripture this morning in Genesis chapter 47 we We're gonna start in verse 13 it said and there was no bread in all the land for the famine was very sore so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered, gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for corn, which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence for our money fails? And Joseph said, Give your cattle, and I will give you for your cattle if your money fail. And, if they, and they brought their cattle unto Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses and for flocks and for the cattle of their herds and for the asses or the donkeys. And he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. And when that year was ended, they came unto him the second year. And this is the second year. We look back at this. We know this was a seven-year fam, famine, and we're only here in the second year of this. And he said unto them, We will not hide it from you, Lord, how that our money is spent, my Lord, also, how our herds and cattle. There is not aught left in thy sight, my Lord, but our bodies and our lands. Wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants unto Pharaoh. And give us seed, that we may live and not die, and the land may be not desolate. And Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. And the Egyptians sold every man his field, because the famine prevailed over them, so the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people that removed them to cities from one end of the borders of Egypt, even until the other end thereof. And only the land of the priests bought he not, for the priests had a portion assigned to them of Pharaoh, and did eat their portion with Pharaoh, which Pharaoh had gave them. Wherefore, they sold their lands." Or sold not their lands and then Joseph said unto the people behold I bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh lo here is seed for you and you shall sow the land and it shall come to pass in the increase that you shall give the fifth part unto Pharaoh and four parts shall be your own and for seed of the field and for your field for food and for all your households and for food for your little ones your little ones here on dedication Sunday of the babies it talks about the little ones having food it's interesting and they said thou hast saved our lives let us find grace in the sight of my Lord and we will be Pharaoh's servants and Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt and to this day that Pharaoh could have the fifth part except the land of the priest only which became not Pharaoh's dear Heavenly Father God, I pray over your word right now. God, I pray that you would anoint it, allow it to do what I can't do. God, I can communicate it to the best of my ability, but it is the anointing that goes behind your word that allows it to be applied to a heart, that allows a change in someone's life, that allows strongholds to be broken. God, I believe you're doing something in this church, God, and you're doing something in this 100th year uh, uh, celebration that we're getting ready to have, God, and your hand has been in it for 100 years. God, I pray your anointing on your word, I pray, it's your anointing on every heart and every mind in this place. God, that we would come in line with your word, God, and we would honor you as you were due the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's a little lengthy on the scripture, but I wanted to get this across to us today. Who holds your future? We live in the last days. We live in the threshold or the the time just before the coming of Jesus. Pastor Mike, Jesus is getting ready to come. He is waiting for the sound of Gabriel's trumpet. And here we are, this chosen generation, and we stand and we are waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, for some, that may bring about, we work with youth, so I understand that that brings about a little bit of an anxiety with the youth because they want to be able to live some of their life and they want to be able to marry and, and and only God knows the timing but this is what we know that Jesus is coming we can look at the signs around us we can look at the world around us we can look at the economy around us and we can declare Paul that Jesus is about to come are we ready do we live our life in a manner in a way that we're ready Luke 6 and 46 says it this way. He says, why, and this is Jesus' words. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? He was challenging them that he was trying to communicate things to them, but they weren't doing it. But yet they called him Lord. And if we're not careful, you and I can come into this place and we can live week after week and we can live month after month with one of the best pastors. No doubt the Church of God has, I would say the best. And we can get the word that God delivers to him. And at four in the morning, every Sunday morning, Pastor Ray, I couldn't get up at four this morning. I'll confess, 5.30 was the best I could do. I don't know how Pastor Ray does that, but he loves you. And I know he gets up at four in the morning and he prays before he gets in here on a Sunday morning and and he gets the word that God has for us. But what do we do with it? Are we taking that to heart? Are we taking that as literal for what it is, God's Word being communicated into our life? In 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, it says it this way. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. We're all going to give an account for our life. We're all going to stand there and give an account for every idle word. We're all going to give give an account for our life and the way we lived and the choices we made, the sermons that we heard, the truth that was declared. This week, we're going to look at the responsibility of giving. You know, it's great to come into a house of worship, and we love to worship God. In fact, this generation, I believe that there's a rising in the worshipers arising in those that that seek God and to worship God. But did you know that when that offering plate goes before you, that that is just as much a part of your worship as singing a song and worshiping God? And it tells a lot about your relationship with Jesus Christ. I've heard it said that you can tell a lot about a person by looking at two things. One, their calendar, and two, their checkbook. It tells a lot about your priorities. It tells a lot about who is first in your life. It tells a lot about what is a priority in your life. And here we are at this place where the culture around us would challenge our giving and challenge the fact that we would give to God here in the 2015. Does that make sense? This week, we're going to look at the responsibility of giving. In Genesis 4 and 3, there's a story. And number one, I want to declare as we get into this study that God has always demanded the first and the best. He's always wanted that. He's always desired that. In Genesis 4, there's a story about Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, both two sons of Adam and Eve, come to God with offerings. They both come with something in their hand to give God. It's Abel that gives of the firstlings of the flock. It's Cain that gives of what would be convenient. He gives of the fruit of the ground. The Bible says that God had no respect unto Cain's offering. Now, he brought something to God, but God had no respect to his offering. And then his face, the Bible said his countenance fell. He was upset. We all know that he ends up killing his brother over the the emotions and things that ran his life and took him over. But God says something very important to him. He says, basically, he says, why are you upset? He says, don't you know that if you just do what is right that you'll be accepted? But understand this, that, that if you don't, sin crouches at the door. And its desire is for you then he goes on to say, but I would have it that you would be master over it. That means we're not to let sin take us over, but we're to be in a situation where we attack the sin in our own life. And a big part of that, when I look at this story, is through giving. It's through giving to God what he expects. Now, we could look and say, what's the big deal? They both gave. What is the big deal? We can look at their parents. Adam and Eve both, when sin entered the human race, Adam and Eve find themselves in a garden and they go and they find the fruit of the ground and begin to cover themselves with it. They cover themselves with with fig leaves. It's God that steps in and he sheds the blood of an animal and he covers them with the skins of those animals. And, And there we see that there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. It started a process that went all the way through till Jesus died on Calvary's cross and gave his life for you and I. The shedding of blood began to take place. So it was Cain that gave of the fruit of the ground, just like his parents who tried to cover what they really felt deep inside and what, they, what their desires were. And it was Abel who gave what was required. He understood the pattern. He began to understand God's heart. And that's where you and I need to get to today. In Hebrews eleven four, the hall of faith. And this is interesting because in the New Testament, it says that by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. It says, by which he attained a witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and by it, he being dead. Here it is in 2015, we're still talking about him. We're talking about him because of the gift that God testified of him. Does God testify of your gifts? Does God look at your giving pattern in life? Does he look at your tithe? Does he look at your offering? Does he take notice and would he testify to someone about it? That's the challenge I get when I read that. That challenges me. That challenges me to to pay attention to what I give and how I give and and the process of giving in my own life. In Genesis 14, we get another story. It's a story of Abraham. Abraham comes across the king Melchizedek. And in the process, what he finds is when he sees him, he gives him 10%. He gives him a tithe. That's what Abraham gives King Melchizedek. And I find that interesting because in Psalms 110, David would go on to read that God was setting up an order in the order of Melchizedek. In Hebrews chapter 5, it re- reiterates that fact that God was establishing an order after King Melchizedek. When you look at what Melchizedek means, it means righteousness. So what we have is a portrait or a picture, if you will, of Abraham giving 10% of all he had to the king of righteousness. And then not only is that important because it's important because David recorded it, the writer of Hebrew recorded it, and we see that there's a pattern that was being set that God requires the first and the best. He requires us to pay attention to the giving process in our life and what we give and what we offer. Now we could look and and there's a lot of debate, if you will, on tithes and, and offerings and things in the modern church. I'm not here to debate all that. I'm here to declare God's word. I'm here to show you in God's word what God's word says about giving. And hopefully it'll help you if you're in a place where it's been a struggle in your life. But what we see is that order was set up, and it was set up well before Moses ever got to the point of setting up the tabernacle and setting up the standards and the ordinances and the things and the tithing that began a process of the Old Testament. See, everybody wants to say, Well, that's an old testament thing. And and we're under the New Testament, we're under grace, and, and we're not gonna go there. But no. The tithe is holy. It is set apart for God, Kevin. And it's God's. And when you get it, all you are is a steward. Everything in your life, you're just a steward over. Unless your perspective's out of whack and you think it's all about you and you think you're the one that's creating everything in your life and you think you're the one that's got your house and your, and, and your job and it's all about you. If your perspective's wrong, if you've got the worldly perspective of it, you could be operating or, or living your Christian walkout in the wrong direction. We see here that before the Old Testament ever got the ordinance in place, there was a pattern of giving God the first and the best. This is what Malachi had to say about it. I like what, what Pastor Brian said that God is a giver and that when we give, we're like Him. Think about that. You know, the thief comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said in John 10:10. 10, 10, but I've come you have life, have life more abundant. So when I look at that, if I'm a giver, I'm like God. If I'm a taker, Or if I'm a stealer, then I'm like Satan. I'm like the enemy. We're representing one of the two if we're not careful. And what I see here when you look at Malachi 3 and 8, the Bible says this. Will a man rob God? The writer says, yet how have you robbed me? But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And the next, he answers the question in the word. He said, in tithes and offerings. You have been cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. And then verse 10, he says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you up the windows of heaven, pull you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and ye shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast forth its fruit before its time in the field. Man, that's a powerful protection. I don't know if you heard that, but that is a powerful protection there. When we make a choice, a conscious choice, to give God what God is asking for in His Word. And that's the first and the best out of our life. That's our time, our treasure, our talent. When we make that decision, that conscious decision, that just like coming in here and worshiping to a song, Missy, that we can lift our hand and put it in that offering plate, and we can show God in that simple act of putting into that plate an act of obedience, an act of worship, an act of how much He means to us. It's one thing to get in this place and we clap and we get excited. And, and man, I love to feel the Spirit and the power of God, but I tell you what, I feel it in my giving. I feel it when I'm helping someone out. I feel it when I'm giving to my local church. I feel it when I, get, I see a, a construction trailer hit the back corner of the property. Did anybody see that? There's a construction trailer back here because we're getting ready to add on. And that's through the faithfulness that this congregation has experienced over the years. This story in God's word, I believe, can help us today to gain the right perspective. What it is is that we go out into the culture, we go out into the world, Caleb, and, and we, we're out there and we, we hear the way the world thinks, we hear how the world talks, we, we hear the way everything operates in the world, and then we come into God's house and we're, we're so programmed to what the world is doing and what the world is saying. We're so programmed by what's happening out there in the culture that we come into God's house and instead of hearing God's Word, we hear that guy at work or that lady at work or some family member who told you you don't have to do this or you don't have to do that or, or that's not what the Word says or, or God's grace will cover everything. Look, I'm telling you, God will, His grace will cover your sin, absolutely. And for Him to know to do right and not to do it is sin. So when we know what's right, and we don't do it to us, that's sin in our life, and we need to deal with that. Now, God's grace can help us with that. God's grace is ever-flowing, it's ever-present. 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a simple act of asking, and He forgives. We can see here that it's important when we pay attention to how we handle what God's given us. Verse 13 in this story. We see this process begin. There's a famine that hits the land. We look back on this story and we understand that there were seven years, John, of famine in the land that they were going to have to suffer. In this story, the people that were living it didn't know that. I can't tell you what's ahead. I can tell you what the Word says. The Word said in the last days that there would be famines. There will be wars and rumors of wars. I was reading online, and I know you can't trust everything, but I read it from multiple sources that the food supply in the world is getting to this point where it's completely out of balance. So if something happened where through floods or through rains or whatever begin to attack our crops from year to year, we could find ourselves, no doubt, even in America, at a place of famine. Now, it's hard for us to deal with that because we're at a place where we can order a number one through 15 through every drive-through around every block. So we think we're never gonna run out of food, right? Until we take a mission trip with Pastor Todd. He takes us somewhere into South America where they don't even have clean water to drink, let alone take a bath. I'm telling you that this planet, this world has got got people that are hurting. And it's beyond us and the comfort of our church and the comfort of our pews. If you think that we're building a monument out here on the side of this building, then you're wrong. We're building something that is gonna be an outreach center, that's gonna be a ministry to the community When we give in the offerings on Sunday morning, those offerings go all around the world. They go to Europe. The lights are on, if I understand right, in South America this morning because of the giving through this congregation. That's what God desires to do with our giving. Here we see in verse 13, there was a famine that hit the land and they were desperate. So they took what the obvious thing would be and that was the currency, that was the money. Anything they had of silver and gold and of value and they began to exchange it for food. No different than you and I going down a local Kroger right before a snowstorm. And if you're lucky enough and you get there early enough, you might get out with a bag of groceries. And if you get there too late, guess what? You got nothing. And that's about the closest we come to experiencing that because what happens, Pastor Melissa, is a couple days go by and they restock all the shelves and everything's right back to normal and we're okay. But they were at a place where there were seven years of famine on them and they didn't even know it. All they knew was that they were in this first part of the process. And they begin to exchange the money for food, for bear survival. And then they get to this place where now they've got no money, but now they're still hungry. So now they're at this place where now they begin to look at their assets. They begin to look at everything that has value in their homes. And they look at their cattle. They look at everything but, but their children, right? They're going to hang on to their kids, but everything else has got to go, including the kitchen sink. We're going to get rid of it. We're going to trade it for food so we can survive. So now they begin to exchange their cattle and their, and their flocks. And then they get to this place where now the money has failed and their crops, everything's been, uh, the crops, we understand, yeah, nothing's growing and they're in this barren place. It's a place of famine and they've exchanged their cattle. They're getting to a place, it's dark. They're getting to a place that They are desperate for for a need of a change in their everyday life. You know, the America yesterday we once knew is no longer the America that we know today. America is in need of a revival. America is in need of God to come and and visit us in a way that changes us. It doesn't just change us from a broken cistern kind of way that we just take the worship that's being given out in the room. But no, we begin to live a life of worship in our workplace and wherever we go. I read something last night. I was looking at the national debt. and Just to get an update on it, we are now currently, and it is spinning out of control at $18,248,000,000,000 in the red. It grows by $4,000,000,000 a day. We're headed towards a place of no return. The money now that is out in circulation, you've got to understand there's not silver and gold to back it all up. That is the principle for for finances and for money, that there's silver and gold, and there's some type of of finance that backs up that piece of paper. And we're at a place we're going beyond that, and not only just beyond that, but $4 billion a day beyond that. We're at a place, Brother Virgil, where God is about to return. Jesus is about to return for his church, and there's going to be a tribulation period that's going to set out into motion, and the Antichrist is going to be ruling. But you and I have an opportunity I call it an opportunity. Every time an offering plate goes before me, I look at it as an opportunity, an opportunity to express to God how much I love him, an opportunity to maybe meet a need in someone's life. You and I have an opportunity on this side of the rapture to do something with what God's given us. James 5, 1 through 8, I'll read this as quick as I can. It says, come now, you rich men, weep, And how for your miseries that are coming upon you, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure for the last days. Behold, the fire of the laborers who have reaped down their fields, which is of you is kept back by fraud. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord on the Sabbath. Picture this, you have lived in pleasure on the earth and been in wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter and you have condemned and killed the just and and you do not resist you. Think about this for a minute. Babies aborted day in and day out and we live in pleasure and go around the block order number one through 15 as though nothing's happening in our culture. We live in in a desperate time. Verse seven says, be patient therefore brethren. Unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruits of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Guide not or grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. That means don't be arguing and bickering and going back and forth, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge stands before the door. How did Jesus look at offerings? You know, Jesus made note when the, when the Pharisees began to give, and when they were given, he challenged them. He told them, he said, yeah, you're tithing of your mint and of those things that, that is recorded in the word. He said, but you've left out the weightier things, the things that have substance, the love and for one another and the fellowship. They lost out on the compassion for the lost and the compassion for those that were hurting. You and I need to be careful as Christians coming in and out of God's house, it's more than just tithing. It's more than just giving. It's, it's our lifestyle. It's are we a giver in the workplace? Are we a, a giver to our families? Are we one that people can draw love and grace from? And that's what we see on that challenge. In verse 16 and 17, they exchanged, back in Genesis, their, their cattle and their flocks for food. Notice how the perspective changed from the money to the next thing they had of value. 1 John 2 and 15 tells us very plainly, Love not this world, neither the things that are in this world. For all that is in this world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, are not of the Father, but they're of this world. Then it goes on to say, If any man loves this world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now well, That's a challenge for us today because it's real easy to begin to love the things that are in our life and those things around us. But we're commanded in God's word that we're not to allow those things to take us over. Matthew 6 and 33, we see a great example of it. It says there, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. It's okay. I hope you've got the the nicest car, the nicest house in the block. That's fine. That's okay. I just want that to be a benefit or a fruit in your life of your giving process to God. I want that to be the fruit that's came forth in your life instead of being on borrowed money and and not giving God what is God's first and keeping him first in your life. So that's the challenge we see in this. We see Joseph is a man that understood this process. He went from the pit to the palace. His brothers were the ones that sold him off into slavery and he never lost his integrity through the entire process. Here he is handling God's man in a place where he's distributing and exchanging the money and the cattle for food. He's the one that had the integrity to be able to handle it and God desires for us to have that. I also found in this story that we see that God's church the Levites were the ones that had a land that was given to them and they were not affected by the famine they ate everything was fine there was a clear line drawn between them and those that had to be submitted and subjected to Pharaoh and I believe when I read that that you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood that's what the New Testament says about you I believe that the things that are coming upon this earth will not touch you if you keep God first that Malachi 3, 9 and, and through 11 will come alive in your life, that he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He, they will not destroy the fruits in your field or your vine won't cast forth its fruit before the time in the field because God is all over your stuff. Because when you keep God first, Trust me, he releases what's in his hand. He is sitting there waiting to release what he has for his church. He's sitting there waiting for some that will believe him, that will worship him with more than just a sound, that not a sound of tinkling brass and a cymbal in the distance. No, but with a life, a life that is sold out and dedicated to him. And in your finances, yes, give God glory. He deserves it. Amen. He's looking for a people that will stand up in these last days. Trust me, whatever you're holding on to, it's not going to matter once Jesus comes. It's not going to matter. You can't take it with you. You wouldn't want to take it with you. If we make it through those pearly gates, you're not going to want to take anything from this world except for the people around you, those that you love. You can't take it with you. I challenge you today to keep God first in your finances. I challenge you with this today. The people's money had failed. They'd given everything. Now they're down to a place where they're standing before Joseph, and they said, we've got nothing. All we've got is our bodies and our land. This is what we're down to. We've got no, no seed. We've got basically no jobs. We've got no money. We've got nothing to offer but our land and our bodies. Take us. Take our land, and, and we'll be Pharaoh's servants. They're, they're ready to give in completely to the culture around them. That's exactly what happens. In fact, the word says that Joseph bought them for Pharaoh. Can I tell you that you were bought with a price? (laughs) That Jesus bought you with a price on Calvary's cross? That you came with a price tag on you? You came with a debt you could not pay. And Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. And he did that for you. And he did that for me. And he loves us so much. And this is what we're talking about. I know if you come in with the mindset of the world, a message like this can be like a wet blanket uh, Sunday after Pentecost Sunday. But I'm telling you, God's wanting us to get a message I tried to get away from this last night, and God wouldn't let me. God's trying to get across to us. He wants a deeper relationship with us. He wants to get in your stuff. He wants to rebuke the devourer. He wants to get rid of the strongholds on your finances. I don't know what you're struggling with in this house, but I'm telling you, God, when you get the right perspective, can get inside your mess, and he can begin to rearrange things and begin to work things out for your good. It's all about perspective. (laughs) They get to a place where they have nothing. We read the word that they were purchased. And after reading that, their response is, they call Pharaoh a savior. And they call him Lord. The word Lord means master and controller. When you read this story, Pharaoh is master and controller of their life. He owns the land. He owns the houses on the land. He owns the seed. He has all the money. He has everything. Everything is in his control. And he asked for 20%. 20%. One-fifth. And they call him a Savior. And they call him a Lord. When we've got Jesus Christ who gave everything he had for us. God gave the very best heaven had. He gave his only begotten son. Jesus gave his life for us on a cross. I'm telling you, when your perspective gets right on who he is and the price that he paid, your relationship with him will go so deep, it'll get into your pockets. You can't outgive him. You can try to outgive him, Clayton, but he can't be outgave. He's got more resources. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. This building out here is nothing to him. We're sitting right now in a paid-for building. I'm telling you, when we signed the papers, it may have seemed big back in the day. To God, it was nothing. We're celebrating 100 years. What God's looking for is faithful people who have the right perspective on who he is. And when we get the right perspective on who he is, he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. There is nothing, that's going, you're going to, you, there's nothing you're going to face that you're going to face alone because he's going to be all over it. He says in his word, prove me. Prove me now herewith and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. Tony, it's good to see you back here. It's a, you know, Tony's been through a lot, if you don't know that, and it's good to see him back here. I'm telling you, the right perspective changes everything. I'm getting ready to close. We can come to the music if we'd stand to our feet. The question of the day is, how is your perspective? You know, in Romans 10 and 9, it says this, that if we'll confess the Lord with our mouth and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, that we shall be saved. It's with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And with the heart man believes unto righteousness." The word Lord in the, in, this, in the scripture there, it means master and controller. It's what it means. Jesus desires to be master and controller of our lives. When we come to him, we come to him with our mess. We come to him with our sin. We come to him with the things that that are out there in the world that we've dealt with, that we've done wrong. And in the process, we say, no longer do I want to be in control, but God, I want you to be in control. And that process brings salvation into our heart and our life and a relationship with Jesus Christ begins. And it's after that, if we carry the right perspective, we begin through discipleship to learn that if he's not Lord of all, he ain't Lord at all. And that he desires us to show him through obedience how much he means to us. I can't count how many times God's asked me to give everything I got in my wallet. He doesn't ask me every Sunday. And Angie's very thankful that he doesn't do that. But he's done that. He's challenged me with that. You know, the hardest time when he did that is when I had a pocket full of change. I said, God, you don't want that. It's a pocket full of change. <laughs> all he wants to know is that we're all in, Pastor Ray. He just wants to know that if I ask you to give everything you have, that I'll do it. All he wants to know is that regardless of your circumstances or your situation, that you're willing to take him and choose him first above everything else in your life. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, I want to give you the opportunity. To, maybe, you've, maybe this speaks to you in some way and you recognize that maybe Jesus isn't master and controller of your life. And you want to get on, in on the insurance policy of having him protecting your life and protecting everything that you put your hands to. If that is you and you're in this place and you want to accept Jesus into your into your heart that's why we're here that's why the lights are on that's why the doors are open it's for you if that's you I just ask you to simply raise your hand by doing that we're going to say a corporate prayer God bless you God bless you God bless you we've got three that, that want to accept Christ in their heart to make him master and controller over their life You've done it your way. You've done it as long as you can your way. You're tired of living out your way. Now you're saying, God, I want you to take the front seat. I'm tired of trying to manage this mess. I'm tired of trying to do things my way. If that is you, simply raise your hand as the clock is ticking and we're going to get you included in this prayer and you can accept Christ right into your heart. Once your hand is up, you can put it down. God sees that. If there's anyone else... We're waiting on you because you're worth waiting on. (laughs) All right. If we would just join in corporate prayer, I want us all to take these three right to the throne room of God. Now listen, you don't know what they are struggling with. You don't know what is preventing them. You know, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He will try to prevent us from seeing God in every circumstance. Let's join in prayer with these. Let's take them straight to the throne room. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I recognize, Jesus, that you paid the price for my sins. I accept you into my heart. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my master and my controller. I no longer want to do it my way. I choose your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. For the rest of us, I want to I pray over you. There's a process that, that they went through. They gave up their money. They gave up their cattle and all their assets. They gave up their land. They gave it all to Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked for a fifth of it back. They called him Lord. They called him Savior. They were happy to do it. I want to pray of you. I think in this room, there's several of us, because I've been through the stages of this that are in different stages. Some of us may have gotten to the place where it's okay to give God and our tithe and our offering. Maybe others are maybe struggling with the finance end of maybe the job. Maybe God's asking you to change professions or change jobs, or maybe He's asking you for your house or your land. I don't know what it is, but know this, that you cannot now give Him that when you give God everything, number one, everything we have comes from him. All you're doing is acknowledging the fact of where it came from. You're acknowledging that it's not you, that it's him. And when you do that, something clicks, something happens. And you begin to enjoy life. You begin to enjoy the things around you because you recognize that you couldn't have did it anyhow, that it's all God to begin with. So I'm to pray over you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I worship you and I praise you this day. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you have a people for 100 years in this church that have praised you and honored you and gave to you. God, I pray that as we go, I pray pastor's prayer from last year. I pray, God, for 100% tithing in this church because, God, then that means that 100% of us will be ready when you come. God, help us to have the right perspective of who you are, that, God, you and the cattle on a 1,000 hills, that everything we have comes from you. And we're just acknowledging you. And when we give in an offering, it's an opportunity to show you how much you mean to us and how much we love you. God, I pray that over your people. God, I pray Second Chronicles seven fourteen, where it says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land and I will forgive their sin. God, I pray, get us to that place you are everything to us, God. And we acknowledge you in every way of every minute. We acknowledge you when we're with each other. We acknowledge you when we're giving. We acknowledge you when we're worshiping. That, God, it's a life that is sold out to you. And I pray that over your congregation this morning, God. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. What a wonderful word about giving this morning. Would you, would you join me and appreciate Marty for bringing the word of the Lord today? Amen. We want you to go today and be blessed. Be blessed as you go. Reminder once again that tonight is the mixed service, mixed fellowship for the 20s and 30s at 5 o'clock and the service for everybody at 6 o'clock. Come back and have a wonderful time with us. God bless you all. Go be the church.